Work, wealth, wisdom. This is DC Entrepreneur. We're sharing stories, ideas, and lessons from startups and businesses in the pursuit of innovation. And we're helping build a community of problem solvers and thought leaders in the Washington area. Now, here's your host, George Mocharco. This is George Mocharco, host of DC Entrepreneur, here on WERA 96.7 FM. I'm in the studio today with Jonathan Wasim. Jonathan is the creator and founder of Melted Element. Melted Element is a candle company based out of his apartment in Alexandria, Virginia. Welcome today. Thanks. Thanks for having me, George. So we were introduced by a mutual acquaintance. I had written an article for Technically DC about the Elofs place in Alexandria, Virginia. Elofs is a co-working space where people can live and have their business. And I found out about your company, which is called Melted Element, where you make candles in the apartment. And they're really interesting products because they have certain smells associated with certain parts of the world. Talk to me about how you got the idea for Melted Element. Sure. Um, So Melted Element came about because uh, my girlfriend and I, we had a cat. Our cat had passed away suddenly. uh, She was coughing a lot, and we couldn't figure out why. We changed her diet. We did all this stuff. just didn't matter. Took her to the vet. We took her to multiple vets. They did x-rays. The only thing that came up that was consistent between the vets were the lungs. The lungs look like somebody who's been smoking. So after she passed away, we kind of made a concerted effort to get to the bottom of it. We found out it was the candles that we were lighting. Those candles were consistently being lit daily for hours and hours. And even if we weren't in the home, um, our cat was, and even after you extinguish a a candle, still the residue sticks in the walls, the couches, everything. So... I went out on this quest. I was coming home daily, um, working hours a day, trying to figure out how to make a candle. Uh, I came home and uh, started making the candle. Uh, it came out horribly. It was the worst candle I've ever smelled. Um, it smelled like soap. So what we did was um, I started working on making a better candle. That improvement process was a, a it was a, a growth procedure for me. Um, delving into an area that I've never been in. By trade, I was always in IT. I've done business and um, other things, but never candles. So I started getting into the crux of it, um, understanding the science behind it, chemical compositions, and and seeing how to make it work. Um, So went on this quest. If I'm going to make a candle, I'm going to make a better one, and I'm going to make it better than what's out there. So fast forward a few months, um, started giving the candles out to friends just as a gift, nothing, just, hey, give me your feedback. So they all liked it. Um, After they started liking it, then we started developing scents. We're like, well, why don't we base them on places that we've been? So um, travel is something that we hold near and dear to our heart, and uh, we made those candles to evoke those same cities that we've been to inside of your uh, head. So uh, as a test... We put all our candles out with the scents and told people just to match them. And these are well-traveled people for the most part. And uh, 80% of them matched the scents with the, with the candle. So it worked out where we were on to something. Uh, fast forward a few more months, uh, started building a website. People were saying, hey, you should sell these in stores. 
um, we bring another partner on board who is specifically uh, geared towards sales. He said, you should sell these in stores. We said, okay, um, let's try it out. Went to our first store, and um, they loved it. And we were kind of blown away because we didn't know what type of reaction it would get in a retail environment. Um, <clears throat> that same store ended up selling them in a matter of weeks, and we ended up they ended up reordering immediately. So then we started targeting other stores, and they were buying. So we knew we were onto a good product. So those multiple iterations and and failures throughout that process was very key and pivotal to making Melted Element what it is today. Um, we worked on the formula for, and by we, at first it was just me, I worked on the formula for a year straight before even releasing it out to public, um, before we even made our first sale. Um, we really focused on making a better product. Uh, it's not the cheapest candle, so we wanted to make sure that if people are buying it, they're getting their money's worth. Um, so we really put in a lot of time uh, into making a quality product. It, it's a premium product. It's featured in the Ritz-Carlton Hotels. Uh, I saw CNN was a partner that you had there. Of course, they're in Elofts, which is the building that we were just talking about. Can you talk to me about how you've gotten some of these strategic partnerships to help build your business? Um, honestly, it came from just the product kind of sold itself. Um, obviously, the first intro is hard because you say you're basically asking for somebody's time and saying, can you give me even a couple minutes of your time just to see my product? Um, I had to learn a lot of sales tactics and marketing tactics as I've gone through this whole process of <laughs> with this company. But uh, we've just enjoyed receiving feedback from people, and that's really helped us. So receiving feedback from people allows them to feel like they're part of the process and that their opinion matters. Um, and when their opinion matters, they feel like they have a say in the success of the product, which means, hey, it might do well in their environment, however they decide to sell it, if they decide to sell it. So that's been very key in, in cultivating those relationships, um, asking someone simply, hey, what do you think about it? Um, instead of coming in from a sales tactic, it, it really just helped us cultivate those relationships. CNN was really big. Uh, West Elm as well. well. We did a West Elm local, uh, one pop-up one time, and then they, we did really well. And they asked us to come back in multiple times after. Uh, we got interviewed on CNN, and uh, we got a lot of traction through there. It was playing all month on CNN, um, including all throughout the airports. So that was huge to getting visibility. Um, so the brand just... The first thing that anyone asks you whenever you're asking for a meeting with them, whether it's to sell with them or partner with them or sell at their location, first thing they ask you is, where are you at? You know, Where have you sold to? Who do you sell to? They want to see some type of proven track record of success. So, And it, it was understandable for us because no one wants their time wasted. So that was very key in cultivating those relationships. And we met those people through somebody else and every – small piece had gave the other pieces results. You mentioned earlier about the different scents that are associated with places that you travel to. So can you just tell me about some of those locations and why you were able to create kind of an evocative sense with your product, with the candles? Sure. So we actually had about almost 20 cents at first, and we narrowed that down to seven. Um, we wanted to make sure that we're hitting cities that 
people have always wanted to go to maybe and just don't have the opportunity, whether it's from a financial standpoint or from a time standpoint, uh, we wanted to bring those cities to them. So uh, we chose some of the most thought-evoking cities or towns, uh, beaches, whatever you want to call it, and we just wanted to kind of package that for people and say, hey, you've had a rough day. Well, you should probably use our Maldives scent, and the Maldive scent makes you feel like you're on the beach, and it's just supposed to make you feel like you're there without actually being there. Um, so we have seven scents. We have Dubai, Maldives, Marrakesh, Rio, Queensland, Swiss Alps, and, uh, and Tokyo. So uh, those are specifically – they're all different places on the globe – um, people like to ask us, why don't you have an American scent yet? And we say, well, we're kind of in America, so we wanted to get places that are more thought-evoking for people. And it doesn't mean that we're not doing an American city. That is coming up, but we wanted to hit some of these other cities first. So um, traveling to those destinations, they made us feel a certain way. So we wanted to bring that same feeling to anybody who's lighting our candle. And so you said that people that have uh, experienced the candle have kind of a similar reaction like that, that, that evokes that sense of that particular city. What are you doing specifically with the candle making process to give it like these different scents like in, in the actual design or, or production of the product? So we use essential oils. Uh, one of the things that makes it unique is that it's a chemical-free candle. So Melted Element uh, uses 100% soy. Um, the problem is soy is not some, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel. There are soy candles out there. The question is how do you get a strong scent from soy and at the same time make it last a little bit longer? So that process I, I hold near and dear to my heart uh, because that's what I worked on for a year. But um, in terms of what goes into it, it isn't too much, um, but we try and stick to just the essential oils and the mixing of that is what makes these scents um uh, powerful, but um, that along with the process of actually making the candle really increases that strength. So um, we just we just like to make sure that it's chemical free. That's our biggest um, draw. And and you mentioned that part of that was because of the story of your cat. Um, so these candles are non carcinogenic. They don't cause some of the same problems that I mean. This is something that I just became aware of that candles can actually be damaging to, to people's health. Can you explain that for people out there? Sure. So uh, one of the endeavors we d decided to take on was um, miseducation. Mm -hmm. Most people don't go out and buy candles uh, on their own. Um, they are maybe out at Target somewhere, and they're picking up something else, and they see the candles. They say, oh, I like this. Let me pick up a candle on the way. Um, there weren't very many people just going out of their way unless they were specifically gifting to get a candle. Um, uh, and candles are finishing products in your home, so they're used to whether after you clean or maybe just when you're sitting down to relax. So they're kind of an afterthought. Um, with our candle, we really wanted to educate people. So we went out and tried to educate in as many ways as possible, whether it's infographics. The reaction is mostly when we tell people about candles is, oh, wow, I had no idea, because – I guess the first deciding factor when you purchase a candle is price um, after scent and smells or, or scents and, and aesthetics. So you may like something, but 
if it's a hundred bucks, you're not gonna be like, ah, uh, maybe I can go get this eight dollar candle right here. That eight dollar candle comes with all the uh, carcinogens and the paraffins and all these bad things. Even when you put out the candle and that smoke that comes out of the the wick, that's immensely bad, not just for us but also our pets. Um, so just making sure that people are educated, that has really helped us um, kind of get to the next level. And and that strong focus in that um, really um, propelled Melted Element. So before this, did you know that you had a natural aptitude towards candle making? Or is this something that you kind of discovered while you were going along the process? Definitely discovery. Um, I would be lying if I said that I was some candle maker. <laughs> uh by trade, I was doing other things. Mm-hmm. So um, this was a new endeavor for me. I enjoyed the process. Um, there were a lot of roadblocks. There were a lot of times where I was so frustrated. Uh, my girlfriend would think I was crazy, actually. I remember one time she goes, you're still making those candles? you know. And it was just multiple failures to get to where the product is today. Um, it was a year-long process before we even released it. So um, I've always said what helps – me create a better product or make something better is not knowing what's good about it, but rather what's bad about it or what could be improved on. So when we did give it to people, I would always say, tell me what it could, what could be improved. So that was key and pivotal to getting to the next steps and getting over some of these hurdles. Um, so yeah, by trade, I definitely had no idea. I've never, ma- never made a candle. Um, it was... It was interesting. The internet was a huge help, for sure. And did you ever have like any kind of other entrepreneurial like startup ideas that you had in the past prior to this? You mentioned you were in IT, so were there, was there something that kind of spurred you to do your own startup idea? Yeah. Um, so when I was in college, uh, when I was in Virginia Tech, I came up with this idea for aircraft. Um, I'm a huge aviation nerd, so um, I came up. It was September 11th had just happened a couple years before that. So I had an idea. I wanted to come out and put video on aircraft. I wanted to track aircraft more efficiently. And I wanted to um, just make an all-around better aviation experience that didn't exist at the time. Uh, we have, you know, like the, the Malaysian Airlines crash that no one could find. Um, we had created a whole system back in 2004, um, custom from the ground up where we could track an aircraft down to a millimeter and recount everything that happened within five seconds and still and get the rescue teams out there within a matter of seconds rather than where is it, where did, uh, who do we send out, why did it happen. Um, we also came up with a new process in engineering in terms of the video compression. We put in a lot of time for that because everything that comes – from an aircraft would be uh, a lot of data. And that data, when you put it through a satellite, it costs a lot of money. So we worked on compression algorithms. We worked on new antenna systems called uh, with phased array antennas. And phased array antennas weren't necessarily a new technology, but how we wanted to implement it was. So that allowed it to track a lot of different satellites all at once. So um, we did that for about seven years. We had good funding. We Worked with a lot of large companies. Every time I would walk into a uh, meeting, the 
whoever I'm meeting with, I'm, I'm meeting with C-suite individuals of these large companies go, oh, when's your boss Jonathan coming in? And I go, I'm Jonathan. So it was uh, what I was told at the time. I was 21, 22, 23, and everyone was telling me, this is just a, too ahead of its time. How are you going to do this? And those small hurdles and those small wins helped us get to the next level each time. Fast forward a few years, we ended up, and this kind of goes into my biggest failure as well, um, and failures are uh, were key to my successes. Um, fast forward a few years, still people are saying, hey, this is just too far ahead. We met with senators. Um, our product al- allowed airlines to make more efficient routing. Uh, currently, when an aircraft flies, it doesn't fly in a straight line. It flies to multiple points. So what we did was we allowed the aircraft to fly directly from one point to another. Uh, with this product, the airlines were saving 14% in fuel per aircraft, which added up to a little over a million dollars a year per aircraft on average. So now you're fighting with pilots associations, flight attendants associations, the oil guys, because when you're saving money and time, when you take time away from pilots who are paid by the hour, they're going to put up a fight. Flight attendants paid by the hour, they're going to put up a fight. The oil guys, thats the airlines are one of their biggest revenue drivers. So they have an infinite pocket for to just constantly spend in the lobbying effort. So uh, it was a bit ahead of its time, and, and the, the interesting thing was the, the larger interest groups won because they just were a bit more powerful against some small guy like myself. So, and, the, and the interest groups, what, what were they representing that was so uh, opposite to what you had there? Just kind of the, the existing infrastructure in place, like ex- the black box, black box digital recorders or whatever they have in the, in the aircraft now? Exactly. Not necessarily the black box mm-hmm. itself, but rather um, what comes from it. So mm-hmm. uh, when you create more efficient routing, you have less time in the air. Your If your flight is getting to its destination 30 minutes before it used to, that means it's using less fuel. That means the pilots fly less, the flight attendants fly less. So those people, you're taking away from their money. And those people are also part of these interest groups, and they're representing these interest groups. Interest groups don't get money if the pilots aren't happy, the flight attendants aren't happy, the oil guys aren't happy. Every single person, part of this whole airline cog, was uh, pivotal into um, the day-to-day operations. So... When you're taking somebody's money out of their pocket, it definitely you know, gets attention of who it needs to. Because at first we were very under the radar, no pun intended. Um, but uh, after we started getting some visibility, it was a very interesting uh, ride for us. Um, and now people go, hey, why doesn't this product exist? You know, It would have probably helped that Malaysian Airlines plane. And I said, we tried. We tried this uh, 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago. So... That was very frustrating for me, and I would say that was my biggest uh, failure. But it taught me a lot Mm -hmm. that you can have the best product. You can have something that is way ahead of its time, and um, still it won't be adopted as easily as you think. You you may have a solution for something, but there's a lot of people who don't want that solution on purpose. Interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, you would think when you're introducing efficiencies like that across the board that that would be something that the airline companies would – you know they would they would jump on that because it's something that would help them at least like a net gain for profits if they're saving that much money. Well, that's fascinating. So I've met a lot of entrepreneurs that are are young, 
um, and you started this in your early 20s. Can you say that there is anything that you've, you've learned from starting something in your early 20s to where you're at right now, like uh, along the process of being an entrepreneur and, and, and starting these companies up? I would say the biggest um, is two of them. One is execution. Uh, my my friends like to laugh at me because I'm not a big fan of motivational quotes. I get it; for, it works for some people, but um, honestly, a, a majority of us can do a lot of the stuff that we want to do. It's just about getting up and doing it. So execution is 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 huge in my book, and it's something that I learned early. Um, if something needs to be done, just go do it. Don't be so incensed with the larger picture that you become discouraged to not do it. Many people have great ideas, but I feel like they don't act on them because they get overwhelmed by the whole process of what they may need to do or the fear of failure at the end, um, which goes into my second thing, which was fear of failure. Um, I learned that you should embrace failure. That failure takes you to your success. So it was important for me to fail and fail often and, and, and make sure that I was taking those failures and turning them into a a learning um, opportunity. So I guess the two things would definitely be the um, execution play and then not fear of failure. Another thing I learned, uh, which was 10 minutes a day, we could all afford 10 minutes a day. And that goes into the whole execution play. Um, it's important that we dedicate 10 minutes a day to something, to bettering ourselves, whether from our career perspective or our life perspective, if you dedicate 10 minutes a day, um, those small wins add up to one big win. And that one big win gives you the motivation to get to the next step. So I would say that was a huge thing that, that really propelled me to do better as my businesses went along. That's interesting that you mentioned that just 10 minutes a day can be something that can create, you know, broad gains across the board if you're just making sure that you meet that commitment every single day. I've heard that from a number of different coaches. I've heard that from a number of different, I guess, motivational speakers, uh, one of which I think was, say you're committing to an exercise plan, right? Um, you want to, first of all, create the least barriers to your success, which is put your shoes right by the door and your socks and everything so you can switch into them as quick as possible. And then if you're just even doing 10 minutes a day, you're creating that habit and reinforcing that habit of, you know, doing something that is a behavioral change. And the more often you do it, the easier it is. So maybe not motivational quotes, but it sounds like you do have some kind of maxims that you abide by as part of this. Yeah. yeah. I mean, those that 10 minutes a day, um, it got me over the humps. Even on, I wouldn't even complete that task per, per se that day, but... Maybe after two, three days, those 10 minutes, they added up that I did complete that task. I took those smaller bites and, and just uh, just executed on it. So that it's, it was something that everyone can afford to do. 10 minutes a day is something that everyone can afford to do. Execution, and, and it really helps. It really helped me, and I think it helped a lot of people as well. So before we, just, we started taping, you were talking about how you had a background with music. Um, drummer, uh, you've had piano training. Can you talk to me about the process of creativity when it comes to being an entrepreneur? How does creativity play a part in that? Uh, creativity really played a part in everything I did because I saw a need um, and I just executed on it. So it was something that 
really drove my creativity. There were a lot of days where I would hit walls, and it seems like you're most creative when you least expect it, right? Whether you're in the shower, you're driving in traffic. I mean, your best ideas come then, and that's when most of my ideas came. So um, that was very helpful in terms of fueling my creativity. Um, In terms of the actual results of that creativity, that was different every day, but um, the learning process was um, very helpful in making sure that I was being creative in a thoughtful manner. Um, With Melted Element, we have to constantly find ourselves being creative. We have to be ahead of the curve, um, whether it's from an aesthetics purpose or just how we address gaining new business, business development. Um, We've we've come up with some new ways to really kind of help us in in our field. Um, So there's creativity on a business sense. There's creativity on a product innovation sense. And then there's creativity on just a a daily, hey, what can I do to to kind of put a pin in um, this organization? So it, it runs the gamut. There's some days I'd, I'm really never creative at all. Um, one of the, our partners is actually she's very creative. So she's she brings a lot to the table that we don't see. She just has an eye for creativity. And then there's some people like myself where I'm more of a need-based creativity type person so i'll be creative but after i see a need for it so i I think that's the interesting part of entrepreneurship is that really you have to have the vision and kind of foresight to see that there's a product or solution service what have you before it exists and you kind of have to kind of take a gut check to to think well is this something that's worth my time to work on and uh, a lot of that comes down to kind of having a little bit of faith in that you know your your instincts are right your instincts are right about the timing, the timing of the marketplace, the product. What do you think it is about entrepreneurship that that creates kind of this instinctual, like you you know that an idea is going to have uh, something that works about it or something that will work in the marketplace? Um, need. I would say need is the biggest driver because um, when you need something, you're like, well, there's probably a lot of other people that probably need it as well. We all come from different backgrounds, different everything but there seems to be some connection somewhere between different types of people that um, everyone has a need for something or some whether it's gas for your car or food for your stomach um, everyone has a need so it's just about addressing that need um, from an entrepreneurship standpoint it, it definitely drives the whole message all the way through from beginning till end um, once again finding that viability comes with a lot of failure. So not a lot, but it, you know, failure is a, is a huge linchpin to all that whole conversation. But uh, you just you learn it as you go along. I mean, what worked with one company doesn't necessarily work with another. There was a lot of things that I had to learn um, that people wanted, that people didn't want. Um, it, it's, it's a constant learning process. And it, it, every little thing as as much as you may not see it at this point has some you know purpose in the end yeah let's go back to talking about the uh the making of the product so we mentioned briefly we just touched upon this that uh, melted element candles are made in your apartment um so how does that work how do you have your business how do you feel like you can set your business apart from your living situation if you're in the same space so we do have a lot of space in the apartment. We have one of the larger apartments in the whole building. So um, we 
have been able to make some very innovative strides in terms of um, our workbench and the area that we use. And of course, the place is really nice. So you don't want to mess things up, whether it's the floor or whether it's the counter. So everything is pre-prepared when we go in. Um, we work very hard to make sure that there's no random wax sitting around. It's just um, we have some very small innovative products on how we store things. We have two storage facilities, so that really helps a lot in terms of the larger scale items. Um, but the day-to-day work, you know, it's hand-poured. It's small batch. So, you know, I can knock out about 200 candles um, in a day, but, you know, we want to make sure we're doing it thoughtfully. We have cats, so we have two cats now, so they, um, they're very active and they're young and they're brother and sister so they do everything together. So they'll they'll ruin things really quickly. Um, <laughs> so we found we found ways to like augment that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was very uh, it, the whole process was interesting since we moved in to make sure that works properly. But at the same time, you know, we're we're thinking of uh, finding a new place, not because Elofs isn't great, but at the end of the day, we want to make sure that. We're scaling properly, and it, it's gotten to the point where we needed to scale a little bit uh, larger than what we have now. So we're getting a dedicated warehouse soon. Great. Uh, can you talk to me about how you've gone about um, investing in this? Is this come just basically from your own personal investments in the company, or have you ever sought outside uh, investors as part of the growth for a melted element? So 95% of everything that's gone into melted element has been out of my pocket. Money that I saved is just... I thought it was a great idea, and I was like, you know, you don't go and spend $30,000 at one time, but you spend 500 here, 1000 here. There's a lot of R&D. There's a lot of money you just literally throw away because you're doing so much R&D, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Um, we, we have soaps, lotions, and, and shampoos and stuff like that that we're working on right now that we're trying to release, but you have multiple iterations of that product, and getting the ingredients for that can add up real quick. Um, So I've been using uh, all my money this whole time and obviously the money that we generate for the company. But um, just recently as last month, we did bring in an extra investor and that was very helpful for us. And we uh, have been growing um, just as easily with that investment. Oh, that's interesting. Well, I mean, because a lot of times I feel like there's there's one of two ways you can go. You can put your own kind of personal skin in the game, your own personal capital in there and do it. And then I've, I've met some entrepreneurs that they're just like, nope, we got to have an investor first because that kind of gives you the market validation. I don't know why that is, but uh, I think there's something about the entrepreneur that has they're, – they're betting on themselves first and all. Um, that there's something so interesting about that unique story uh, to me because there, there has to be that really you know strong belief in your product or, or service or whatever you're creating. Um, so you mentioned plans for growth um, and scaling up. Uh, I would imagine distribution probably is a big thing for you, logistics, uh, shipping. Any plans to do like a subscription service or anything like that? We do. So uh, that we are coming up with a subscription service very soon actually um, to – uh, we will partner up with a couple companies, but at the same time, we will have a candle subscription service, um, something that gives value to the customer. Um, so it's not just, hey, come subscribe and call it a day. We really wanted to give value to the customer, so we're just crafting that properly and making sure that we're hitting all the right notes. Great, great. 
Any last thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, whatever it is that you have planned, just execute on it. You know, we all have dreams, but they'll always just stay dreams until we do something about it. I didn't think I'd be making candles, but here I am making candles. Um, I do have an IT consulting company as well, so you know, to to say that we're hundred percent there would be a lie. But um, you know, just execute on your dreams and don't and don't give up. There's going to be a lot of roadblocks. There was a couple times where I even said to myself, maybe I should just get out. I've done what I can. Uh, we've we've had multiple roadblocks, and but we got over them and. After we got over them, they were very fruitful for us. So, um, and you learn the right way to do it because <laughs> experience is it just it it teaches you really well. So, I would say those are my final thoughts. Great. And Jonathan, how can they find out about Melted Element candles? Sure. Uh, just go to our website, meltedelement.com, um, M-E-L-T-E-D Element.com. And uh, we have our locations on there. We're at multiple stores. We are also at international locations as well. So uh, come check us out on our website. It's very easy to get to. Great. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thanks, George. We'll catch you next time here on DC Entrepreneur. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes and connect with us on our blog. If you have any tips or ideas for stories, please tweet at us or message us on Facebook. Please tune in to our next episode, and thanks for listening.